This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the February Room. In this episode, we decided to share one of our favorite stories from our past adventures. Justin reflects on his adventure in Alaska. We're hoping to sprinkle some fishing stories throughout this season of the February Room. We'd like to call these episodes, the tributary short stories. We hope you enjoy them as much as we do. And please remember to always like, share, and subscribe. Your support means a lot to us. Thank you for tuning in. Don Williams is our spirit animal. On the timeline of our marriage, important milestones are marked by the late crooner. Music etches into our memories like that. As we pulled out of the quaint B&B in Homer, Alaska, the first few notes of, if Hollywood don't need you, sent chills down my spine. The pieces were beginning to fall into place for another entry in the highlight reel. The day prior, once we'd fulfilled our tourist obligations along the length of the Homer Spit, we set off to investigate a local river via the Swung Fly. We'd arrived at the parking lot to discover only one other vehicle, a father and his very enthusiastic young daughter. The river ran the color of coffee, a Sanka in a 16-ounce seep perhaps. The tannic tone coupled with the vacancy led me to believe that we were either premature or tardy. Throughout my intermittent attempts at intercepting anadromous fish on coastal streams, there has been one constant. If the locals aren't fishing, the fishing isn't very good. But to us, the outcome mattered not. 
fish or no fish, to swing flies in a coastal Alaska river with even the slightest chance of encountering a pink, silver, sockeye, or dolly was more than enough incentive to risk a good blanking. I lost my fear of blanking many blankings ago. I suppose starting out your fly fishing career in steelhead country prepares you for getting skunked. Lauren would wade into an anadromous river for the first time and likely get her first taste of Sea Run Zippo. The father-daughter duo took the primo run, damn them, so we wandered up above the bridge via a well-worn trail. The further we hiked, the more the path morphed into a game trail. And game trails in Alaska come with an inherent risk. We arrived at a gravel bar and considered the river. Two buckets. She took the lower one, and I waded into the fold of fishy rival water. She took the lower one, and I waded into the fold of fishy riffle water. Throwing my 10-foot switch rod, I sent Marabou on a prospecting mission out into the current. Lauren swung below me, and we used the water up quickly. Landing an eye downstream, we discovered the prime water now vacant. Father-daughter day didn't last too long. Lauren elected to fish the tail out, and I swung a fly into the riffle drop. Always an exciting first cast in a bucket. My sink tip found the lower third quickly, and I anticipated my arm getting yanked off on each hangdown. Lauren was fishing her all-fly as a single-handed eight-weight with a floating line. We learned our first tidbit when I reached the tail out, and felt life on the end of my line, but for a moment. It was our first grab. Sink tip one, floating line zero. On our subsequent prospect through the short pool, the skies parted. If I stared at the water much longer, I could convince myself that the river was already clearing. Perhaps I might even make out a salmon silhouette. We were hungry and armed with new knowledge and returned to the parking lot. Then, for the first time, I noticed a fly shop across the way. The two fellas out front clearly had just returned from fishing themselves and shouted, Did you find any fish? Lauren and I wandered over for a chat. Minutes into the BS session, we discovered that we harbored a close mutual friend and that we should return tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. and fish down near the river mouth. The shopkeep sold us three patterns fresh off the vise, and we went to gather intel on the recommended water. We devoted a couple more hours to swinging flies through small buckets and troughs, wondering if we should be taking a different tact. The river was small and intimate, Following our noses towards the whiff of tidewater, we came to the first run of working length. Here, the river widened, and the two of us could split up and spend an hour or so, and then recirculate it and fish it again, perhaps with a slightly different approach. When fishing a tide for sea-run fish, every cast lands in virgin water. 
Though we never got another tug, we had our morning mapped out. On the drive home, we formulated a plan, which included notifying the proprietors of our B&B that we would be skipping their prideful breakfast in favor of fishing. Our vacation had been marked thus far by early morning rises, and tomorrow would be no exception. The moose were out on their morning patrols in Homer, no different than the neighborhood whitetail that make the rounds back home in Montana. With the aforementioned Don Williams as a soundtrack, we navigated the ungulate obstacles in our rental car and set course for the river. The parking lot was none too empty this morning. We quickly rigged up and Lauren's positive energy was contagious, relieving my inherent anxiousness. I wanted that run so badly, but would it be thoroughly occupied? Crossing the river, a line of anglers were concentrated downstream and we peered upriver to discover a beautiful vacancy, as if the best fly water had been reserved for our morning. We would get a chance to fish that run all by ourselves. Lauren took the head and I started in the middle. Though the river was still stained, it had indeed cleared up enough to encourage optimism. It was chocolatey, and my wife loves chocolate. I selected a popsicle from my box, one of three patterns that had been in my den for ages, housed within a large plastic divider bin titled Salmon and Steelhead. I rarely fish flies that I didn't tie, particularly for anadromous fish but I'd struggled to find the time to tie for this adventure as it arrived in the midst of guide season when I'm just trying to maintain my selection of chubbies. I'd hastily added the popsicles to my fly selection. It seemed fitting to return them to Alaska, the birthplace of George Cook's marabou invention. They were unweighted and paired with my five foot sink tip. I felt like I had the ideal combo for the dirty water. The run was the perfect pace for the swung fly, and on my fifth swing or so, I allowed the fly to hang bankside in a gamey zone. Sure as shit, my rod pulsed, and the line began to rip from the reel with the heavy throbs of a sea-run fish that has just bitten off more than it can chew. If there's anything that raises the stoke bar higher than hooking an anadromous fish on a foreign river, I couldn't tell you and Lauren reeled up and rushed down to assist. The fish put up a spirited fight against the 10-foot 7-weight switch rod, but I beached it rather quickly, and assuming the chrome sides belonged to a silver, prepared to grab a rock and reduce the beautiful creature to dinner. Just before I delivered death, I took twice and realized that I was clinching the tail of a wild steelhead. The plight of steelhead weighs heavily and panicking. I removed the fly from the fish's lip, returned her to the river, and took a deep, grateful breath. My first Alaska steelhead came completely unexpected, as they want to do, on a DIY ramble with my wife, who had just witnessed another miracle. She's always had the juju in the elk woods, since the first time I took her on an archery hunt and unknowingly supplanted her amidst a bedded herd. Perhaps elk and unicorns just find her likable. Without hesitation, Lauren waited right out from whence I'd just come. 
This was a power move and I loved her confidence. I had no further made it back to the head of the run when I heard her shriek and turned downstream to see an airborne silver slab. Thinking that she had just hooked into her first steelhead within mere minutes of trying, I blew it and the guide and me took over. The fish fighting advice I administered was cringeworthy as I was too excited for her and knew that she would be utterly heartbroken to lose this one. Me even more so. Fortunately, she made enough right moves to land her first ever swung caught anadromous fish. As she pulled it near the gravel bar, we got hands on the tail and quickly cataloged it as a silver. This fish was for the taking and I suggested that she do her own dirty work. Reluctantly, Lauren delivered violence with the hesitancy of someone who didn't grow up hunting, fishing, and killing. But she did it, and then pulled the gills, just like our guide on the Kenai had demonstrated. Blood splashed across her face. There's something beautiful about death in the wild, and at that moment, my wife looked as compassionate and human administering death as she had when delivering life during the birth of our two children. When a salmon or steelhead leaves the ocean for their natal freshwater stream, a physiological metamorphosis occurs. If you don't believe in the paranormal, look no further than an oceanic predator morphing into a river and denizen in a matter of minutes. For the next two hours, we cradled pink salmon that were undergoing this shift, essentially becoming a different species before our eyes. In a mid-river lie, what I presume was a big silver, or perhaps another steelhead, grabbed my fly and momentarily beat the surface to a froth before leaving me hapless. The far bank held mystery, and I stretched out my snap tees to reach it, throwing quick mends to slow the fly momentarily while it hovered up in the juice. The line went tight and I lifted the rod, my anticipation turning to humbug as I realized the snag. I elected to wade across and save the fly, encountering waist-deep water. My short sink tip and popsicle combo was certainly combing the lower third. We had company now, as rod-armed locals began to take interest in our run, creeping in from all sides. I had just enough time to rob one more from the far bank, and as my swing entered the hang down, the line tightened up. This fish behaved much differently, heading upstream undeterred. I could do nothing to slow the fish. It simply ran offline in an upriver trajectory until it eventually shook free. I had to assume that I'd tied into a late king, but would never know for certain. The doubt, testament to the mystery inherent in casting a line into a coastal tributary in Alaska. No other words could express our gratefulness and good fortune, but the lyrics to Lord, I hope this day is good which sprung to mind as we abandoned the river. We had started the day with Don and he would guide us home. I found the lick in my downloaded music library and reflected on a miraculous day. Our journey coincided with that of several species of salmon and a steelhead and our paths crossed at just the perfect moment. I harbored no feelings of empty and misunderstood, but full and comprehensible. We had just lived entirely in the moment, and that mindlessness is why we wade into the river to cast.
Thank you for joining us for our first tributary short story. We hope that you found it relaxing and maybe fuels you for your future adventures. And please don't forget, if you've enjoyed The February Room, please subscribe, share, and like. Your support goes a long way. Thank you again. And please remember to go fishing. <laughs>